I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This edition of How to Be a CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. This is a special edition of How to Be a CEO in support of the Evening Standard and Comic Relief's Winter Survival Campaign. To donate, go to comicrelief.com forward slash winter donate. Running a business in a cost of living crisis is hard. And we've done a lot of shows on that. Now imagine running a charity. We do have to change, and we have to constantly change. You know, we were early to TV and early to radio. What's the next thing we're going to be early to? How do we go out and meet people where they are? Samir Patel is the CEO of Comic Relief, which last year raised £50 million to help causes addressing poverty and injustice. But the crises just keep coming, and economies around the world remain volatile. So in all that, how do you persuade people with less money in their own pockets to give you something? 
We're looking at everything, and it comes back to this point.、Uh, we believe in the power of humor and popular culture to drive change. So, popular culture—that is quite broad. You're talking about sports. You're talking about fashion. You're talking about music. You know. All of these areas, I think, things that people already love and engage with, we have to be in those spaces if we want to be relevant for the future. I'm David Marsden from the Standard. Now, this is a special edition of How to Be a CEO, which we're publishing as part of the Evening Standards Christmas Appeal in partnership with Comic Relief. We've teamed up with them for our Winter Survival Campaign, where we're asking people to donate to help the millions who are facing hardships so severe in this country that, in some cases, getting help could be the difference between life or death. It really is that serious. The Joseph Rowntree Foundation says 3.8 million people, including 1 million children, are at severe risk of being inadequately fed, clothed, cleaned, or kept warm. That's here, in the UK. If you can, you can make a contribution at comicrelief.com/forward/slash/winterdonate. Twenty pounds buys a kid a pillow and a duvet. We're going to be talking more about that appeal with Samir. But first, if charities rely on hope to keep donations coming. How do they keep hope alive in a cost of living crisis? Yeah, so I think that some of this has to do with Comic Relief's DNA. You know, we believe that being charitable can be fun, so I think that's a big part of it. Even though the issues around us are serious and the problems in the world are serious, it doesn't mean that we have to approach every single thing kind of in the same way. And so, if you can sit on your sofa and watch the telly and have a laugh. While still doing some good, then great. If you can go run a mile and feel good and do something in your community, if you want to dress up in a costume and hop on one leg, you know you should be able to do that all to kind of feel good and to raise money. So I do think part of it is around how we engage people. Um, how we make it fun and showing that it doesn't have to be hard work to do something good. Yeah, I mean, does that fun element work? Because a lot of the, the the things you're raising money for are incredibly serious. How does humor kind of encourage people to donate to support these causes? Yeah, so I think it's not just humor. I think it's storytelling. You know, our our brains are wired for storytelling, and sometimes when we can combine humor, which might be around entertainment and so forth, as a hook. But then also engage you in a story around. Look at how this person's life can be impacted. Look at what this person is doing in their community to make a difference. Imagine if that could be scaled across many communities. So I think it's that combination that's really important for us. We've always got to bring the stories to life and to make the case for why it's important to help others out. Now you've joined Comedy Relief as CEO at a time of a global economic crisis, a cost of living crisis here in the UK. I, I don't want to make this a simple question, but that must be a difficult time to be running a charity just now when people don't have a lot of money in their pocket. It's incredibly difficult, and you know we take that very seriously. It's not easy to ask for money when people are struggling themselves.、Um, but the reality is, we're constantly surprised and impressed by the kind of legendary generosity of the British public, and people do want to support other people. That's important. Uh, it's not easy economically. Times are very tough. We've been through sort of crisis after crisis, and that might just be coming the norm now. But what we stand for is really important. You know, at the end of the day, there are people that are worse off. At the end of the day, poverty is something that can be addressed over time, and so we just have to stay true to that mission and keep making the case while being sensitive to the situation that people are in. Do you have to change? 
comic relief itself? I mean, do you have to look at different ways of attracting people? I mean, just thinking about all the different kinds of distractions people have these days from when comic relief started, what, 20 years ago, maybe even longer than that, that the, the whole landscape has changed. How do you get people to pay attention to you? Yeah, so we, we do have to change and we have to constantly change. It's sort of continual improvement. It's not as if we can do one thing. We have to continually think about how we're relevant to different audiences. You know, we were early to TV and early to radio. What's the next thing we're going to be early to? How do we go out and meet people where they are? You know, just like that example I gave, if you can sit on the sofa and watch telly and engage with something. Well, if you want to play a video game, if you want to go to a music concert, you know, we have to figure out how we engage people where they are and we can't preach to them. We can't be academic. And so if we can find this sort of common affinity with people who want to support us, that's really, I think, how we're going to um, evolve for the future. So we constantly have to find new, way, new ways to be relevant and to be engaging. If we do that, then there is a chance people will continue to support us and ultimately our cause. That's interesting. Is Comic Relief going to be turning up in, in places like Minecraft and Roblox and all those kinds of things? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, de definitely. Some of those things are a possibility. We're looking at everything. And it comes back to this point. Uh, we believe in the power of humor and popular culture to drive change. So popular culture, that is quite broad. You're talking about sports. You're talking about fashion. You're talking about music. You know, all of these areas, I think, things that people already love and engage with, we have to be in those spaces if we want to be relevant for the future. Why did you take this role? Because, I mean, you've had a, a pretty incredible career. You've worked for places like Google. You work for the, the UN Refugee Agency. What made you go, I'm going to do comic relief. I'm going to lead this charity now. Well, I think for me, it's very important to be at an organization that's driven by values. Um, that's been a, a large part of my career. And I had worked with charities as a consultant. But as a consultant, you sort of come in, you do a project, and you leave. I really wanted to be part of something you know, really mission-driven over a longer period of time and see change through. Um, and at the end of the day, it's comic relief. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the brand. It's the history, but it's also thinking about, well, what does the next iteration of comic relief mean? You know, that's an incredible challenge and an incredible opportunity. But to be part of this brand and a brand that has, you know, this element of fun and entertainment at its core, you know, it's just too, too good to pass up for anyone, I think. Had you been someone who kind of watched comic relief when you were younger, watched the, the, the Red Nose Day and all that, those kinds of things? So the interesting thing, so I grew up in the U.S. Um, I didn't grow up over here. I, I'm, I live here now and I'm a citizen here, but I didn't grow up here. But I had heard of comic relief and had heard of Red Nose Day. Um, and my one of my memories was actually when I was a, a bit older. It might have been sort of a, around college or so. But I had a friend in London who used to send me VHS tapes um, of, of some British comedy. And that included things like the Beckham and Ali G sketch. So I had seen a lot of the content and enjoyed it and knew it from that standpoint. And obviously, when I moved over here um, and, of course, having kids now, you know, really uh, engaged with the brand in a completely different way. Um, so, yeah, that was my experience with Comic Relief, but certainly, you know, was was well aware of the brand and, and its history. So there must be a huge advantage to having a name, a brand like Comic Relief. But does that in itself not though bring its own challenges? Is there only so far you can go with it when you're trying to reconnect with audiences? 
I would say it's mostly opportunity. I mean, there might be perceptions about our brand, or people think it's not for them. But that's sort of an opportunity for us to change those perceptions.、Uh, I would say, because we are so well known,、uh, that does have a lot of advantages. You know,、um, we do have to be mindful of what we do with our brand, and you know what. Uh, we say and what we attach our name to, but I would say it's mostly positives for the most part, and it's up to us for how we take this brand into the future and build upon the goodwill it already has, and hopefully try to build some new connections as well. So you're obviously running a major charity here. I wonder though, is there a difference between somebody who's the CEO of a non-profit organization? And somebody who's the CEO of a company that wants to make as much profit as it can. Yeah, I think I think there is a difference. One, I mean, there are some basic things around. We operate under guidance and regulations, and the Charity Commission. We have to have certain governance processes in place, and obviously, you know, our money is not coming from necessarily selling a product. It's coming from support, public donations, and so what we do with that money and the accountability around it is really important and is really crucial. The other thing is that it's difficult to separate running a charity from its values because the two are sort so intertwined. Because a charity has a charitable aim and it has a purpose. That's why it exists. So that has to infuse all of your decisions. It has to carry through in everything you do in a way that a profit company, even though they have values and so forth, they would approach it a bit differently. Which job's easier, Samir? <laughs> Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to answer that one. I'm sure all <laughs> I'm sure all CEO、uh, jobs are difficult.、Um, what I would say is for anyone working in a charity right now,、uh, it is difficult because not only is the economic situation difficult, the sociological situation is difficult. You know, we have crises happening, we have、um, political decisions that affect us, we have things that. Um, you know, you feel like you need to take a stand on, but you also have to factor in all of your different stakeholders. You know, your accountability to donors, and so you have lots of stakeholders、um, and lots of people that are interested in the decisions and the things that you say and the things you do.、Um, and that's not easy. But again, if we stay true to our values and our charitable aim, that will always kind of guide us in the right direction. And one of the things you're doing is you're working again with the Evening Standard and this year's. Christmas appeal and this issue, food poverty, the cost of living crisis, this isn't a small one. It's affecting a huge number of people. Yeah, I mean, it is.、Uh, it is not a good situation. All of the things that we're hearing from organizations on the ground, that we're hearing from communities, you know, millions of people are really at a breaking point and struggling to afford bare essentials. Um, it's the cost of living crisis, absolutely, but it's more than that. You know, there are people being pushed into poverty for the first time,、um, feeling enormous pressure. There's also just the shame. You know, I met with someone who was using、um, a sort of food bank and what we call a multi bank、um, up in Scotland recently, and hearing their experiences of having to go there and wait in the queue and worried about being judged. Um, you know, and they're going through that a, as the first time, and so, you know, there's urgent need out there, and it's important that you know we use our brand and we use this partnership and Evening Standards profile and their, you know, generous audience to really try to do something about this.、Um, so yeah, we're we feel very proud of the appeal, and we think it'll make a real difference to people who are struggling. How does it make a difference then? So this money comes to Comic Relief. 
where then does it go? How does it help people? Yeah, so we work with a lot of um, small charities around the UK. Um, you know, we fund a number of areas as well. So, you know, this appeal will go towards tackling food insecurity, uh, supporting childhood development, helping children and young people have places to go and spaces to go, um, supporting around homelessness, uh, families with disabled children, mental health, you know, uh, really lots of different issues all tied to people who are facing a poverty situation. And so we'll be funding organizations both in London and across the UK. Um, and all of these areas, I think, will be particularly uh, under stress during this winter. So the money will be very timely and very urgent. Some of it will go to long-term support. Some of it will go to immediate alleviation of some of these issues. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems stereotypical, but London at Christmas is freezing cold and people are really struggling right now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, people can't afford the basics for themselves and their families. I think We've even seen as things, as people spend more on food and their everyday essentials, they can't afford things like toiletries, and that creates a bit of a public health issue. So, you know, having to make these trade-offs is really, really, you know, difficult. And you know, four million children live in households impacted by food insecurity. Uh, 3.8 million people experienced destitution last year, you know, which is the most extreme form of poverty. This shouldn't be going on in a country uh, with our amount of wealth and resources. So, you know, this, this appeal and all the appeal that, you know, many charities will be doing over the winter is really, really needed. So there's lots of things that people, our listeners, can do to donate that money. But what about those people who need the help? How do they get access to it? Yeah, well, there are so many organizations that can provide that frontline support. Um, there are lots of organizations. Uh, and by the way, you can go to our website, comicrelief.com forward slash support that are rooted in communities and I think closest to the issues. And so we work with a lot of those organizations. We sign posts where people can get um, support. But certainly uh, it's going to be a tough time and we urge everyone to reach out, talk to people and to get support where they can. That was Samir Patel, CEO of Comic Relief. Go to standard.co.uk to learn more about the Winter Survival Appeal and please do go to comicrelief.com forward slash winter donate and make your own contribution. How to Be a CEO is back in two weeks' time. We'll see you then. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.